Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. In today's fast-paced business world, it's more important than ever to create a work environment that supports and engages employees. A key factor in this is happiness. Studies show that happy employees are more productive, engaged, and committed to their work, which can lead to improved business outcomes, better customer experiences, and bottom line results. I'm excited to bring you today Tia Graham, who's an international speaker, best-selling author, and consultant on positive psychology. She has worked with dozens of global companies such as Goldman Sachs, Hilton Hotels, Hewlett Packard, and others to elevate employee engagement and drive bottom line results. Her new book, Be a Happy Leader, teaches her proprietary eight-step methodology on driving productivity and business growth through a culture of happiness. You're going to hear from her directly today about these key principles. And I bet after this episode, you will be spending more time investing in relationships versus your to-do list. Please share this episode with others. Subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channels and subscribe to my newsletter at doingcxright.com so I can share more resources and helpful tips for you. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Tia Graham. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Oh, thank you for having me. What a special treat because a lot of times people are on my podcast, I've never met them in person. And you, I got to see on stage and connect with you offline. How lucky am I? <laughs> uh, I know, I feel the same way. <laughs> well, I'm excited for my audience to get to hear you, meet you and and know who you are. So please, let's start off with what do you do professionally? I am the founder of Arrive at Happy, a company that I created about six years ago. And I help leaders and organizations grow and be more successful by teaching leaders how to be happier and be the type of leaders that everyone wants to work for using the science of happiness. And I also teach and inspire leaders how to create really happy teams so that Customers are happier, everyone's more productive and engaged, and it's also just a better place to work. And I do that through keynote talks and leadership development programs and um, my book and, and so on. Why are you so passionate about these topics? Oh, my goodness. So since, and I actually, this is my uh, opening story in my TEDx talk. When I was a young adolescent, I witnessed my dad choosing happiness after struggling for several years and really being intentional and, you know, making choices to be happier. And so I learned at a young age that happiness is a choice, something that you do and you have to work at, which really impacted my whole life and has been sort of this internal compass of mine. For the leadership part, I worked in the hotel industry for 15 years and I had some inspirational, amazing leaders. And I also had some very unhappy, toxic leaders. And so those experiences, along with all of the research that shows how many leaders are disengaged or actively disengaged, made me really want to, to help 
leaders and then sort of the ripple effect that they have, right? Their employees, and then it goes out to their families um, and so on. And when I discovered the science of happiness and neuroscience and happiness at work research, I just thought, oh my gosh, I need to share this with as many people as possible. I want to say the word ripple effect again. That is tremendous in everything of what we're doing. And I love that you said that. Let's talk about one fun fact people might not know about you. Oh gosh, a fun fact people might not know about me. That's a good question. Um, well, I would say this is a fun fact. I don't know if I if I say say this very much, but when I was a young little girl, I actually always wanted to be an actress. You know, I thought of like being on stage, kind of like Broadway more than movies, and I never never I never pursued it, but I sort of feel like Speaking is, um, you know, and the storytelling that I do is kind of feeding that inner child dream. I love the connection. That's beautiful. So let's get into the meat of the show here. This is the Doing CX Right show. So let's talk about customer experience, doing it right. What does that even mean to you? Doing it right is, for me, is making all of your internal decisions. And I would say, you know, the guiding light within a company or organization of putting the customer first and the whole experience from how they find you till, you know, all the way through the journey and figuring out how to add more joy and delight and wow. You know, I think of W Hotels East story is always about wow moments. How can we create wow moments? And then also when there is friction and challenging points, fixing that. So I, I think it's easy and it's funny. Even recently, I was talking to a company where they're like, we, we're, we're making decisions based on what's, what's good for us, the managers, the employees. And obviously the CS is, you know, the opposite of that of just having customer first and realizing this is why your business is in existence. Yes. What have you learned from the hospitality industry? in terms of effort, making it easy for customers? Because it's not always that way. No. And you have so many different types of customers in the hotel industry. It's 24-7. The best advice, and, and this isn't new, right? But I think it's something to always be thinking about is listening in as many ways possible, you know? And I would always, because I was a director of sales and marketing for 15 years of meeting with people and and whether it be like the guests checking in or the big corporate planner that's like Mercedes-Benz buying out the hotel for a week, right? Of what do you need? What's going well? And where are the challenges? Because I think, and it, this is not the fault, but it, it seems like a lot of decisions can be made at the executive level without listening to customers because executives are very experienced and successful and they think, well, we know. But really, the people at the front of the organization and the customers know way better than anyone else. Yes, the front desk, how much they deliver the customer experience and how they communicate with that customer or someone calls for room service. When that gets really hard, forget it. I don't want to go back. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So your years of studying and analyzing happiness and how it impacts people, can you share a bit more about what does that mean 
And what are actionable tips for people to walk that talk to make it better? Yes, yes. So the first is that the research and the science has been around a little over two decades. And there's close to 2,000 research papers, possibly more. So there's a tremendous amount of research and it's still not extremely well known. Whenever I speak, I would say maybe 5% of the audiences raise their hand and say, oh, I'm very familiar with the science of happiness. So the content and information needs to get out more, but the research is incredible and so useful for individuals and businesses and, and also looking at customers. For your second part of the question about useful tips is... Number one, to know that it takes both a will and a way to increase your happiness. So your and everyone listening, your genetics, your life circumstances play a part, absolutely. But you also can make a choice to focus on your happiness and make choices to do so. So without that step, you're not going to go very far. So I would say that first piece is prior. I, I call it choosing happiness. You could call it prioritizing happiness. But you have to have that motivation or that will as a recent when a recent researcher called that. And the second part of is making choices every single day that increase your happiness. So common ones are getting enough sleep, exercising, eating good foods, meditating, right? Like taking care of your physical body. If you're not doing that, it's going to be challenging to be happy. Some other ones include increasing the time that you spend with friends and family. That's actually the number one predictor of happiness is time with friends and family. Conversations are a huge driver of happiness. Volunteering, giving to others. When you are not thinking about yourself and doing things for yourself, you're going to be happier. It could be animals or for the earth as well, not just humans also. A massive one that I am have uh, been researching a lot over the past 18 months is self-compassion. So when you are... We all make mistakes. We all fall down. We all do things we're not proud of. We're all messy human beings. The science of self-compassion is we are we are kind to ourselves. We talk to ourselves kindly and we have a mindfulness practice and we remember that we are connected to 8 billion people and we're all very similar and we're all very alike. But a lot of times we feel like we're going through our own struggles and in reality, no millions of people, maybe a billion or two are going through the exact same thing right now. So to to zoom out, yeah. those are a few. I could give you a lot more of it. Yeah. Those are few. Now, those are good. Now, they're basic. They're simple. They're not always applied. Yes. Common sense is not always common action. That's what one of my professors always said. That's a great quote. I will share that and quote you. Why should leaders care? I mean, this sounds so lovely, but not easy to implement. And leaders are in business to make profit. So what, what are you telling people? Like, why should they care? So for, I'll start with the leader and then I'll talk about the team and the organization. So when leaders should care because it directly affects their physical health and their longevity, it also affects the leader's effectiveness in terms of their productivity. They'll work faster. They'll work smarter. Um, happy people are more creative and innovative. So I don't know any leader that doesn't want to be innovative and creative in 2023. And you will have 
higher levels of retention. It will be easier to recruit and your, your job will be easier. Okay. Your family will be happier. Oh gosh, I could give that's okay. There's, there's a short list. Now, in terms of the team, exact same for the team. So if you create a happy team, your team is going to be more productive, working faster, working smarter. They'll have higher motivation. If you are a happy leader, it will take a competitor at least a 20% increase in salary for that competitor to lure that employee away from you. Because if you have a really engaged, happy manager, it's very difficult to get them to leave because they're like, I don't know if I want to leave. I got this great boss. And if you don't have a lot of turnover, of course, your job is easier. You're going to achieve results faster. And according to the Harvard research, the leaders who can focus on driving results and growing the business as well as having really strong relationships, right? Positive relationships with their individual employees and their teams, they are seen as a great leader. Most leaders are good at one or the other. But if you can truly focus on both, you will have a really, really, really strong team and results will follow. And those results, everyone listening, is that customers, they feel it, they see it. Yes, emotions are contagious. We have mirror neurons, right? Over the phone, the way you email people, the way, of course, you talk to people, your customers will feel the energy. I was trained when I was at Intellicom and I would walk around the call center and I would tell people, smile when you're talking to the customer. And they're like, well, they can't see me. And there wasn't video at that moment. Yeah. And... And they said, why? And I said, because they can feel it through the phone. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So I love one of your social media posts that you said, how much time are you spending investing in relationships versus your to-do list? Yes. Talk about that. Yes. So that's actually one of my steps. So in Be a Happy Leader, I have an eight-step methodology And one of my steps is prioritize relationships over to-do lists. So I'm very aware that and being a leader is is a challenging job. It is not easy. It's not for, you know, the week. So when you're a leader, you have so much to do. All the different stakeholders, for your peers, customers, etc. You have such a massive to-do list. And what I see happen a lot in the hotel industry and then with all the companies I work with is that Leaders spend a lot of time doing what they need to get done. Yeah. And they don't spend enough time with their direct reports and their teams. And this could go out to peers as well. But for the book, it's really about your direct reports and then your team as a whole. So they might, you know, cancel one-on-one meetings or they might go another, miss a month without having a team meeting or not do different gatherings where you would create, you know, bonding and psychological trust and friendship, et cetera. And I teach leaders that when you always prioritize relationships and get to know people on a personal level and be their coach, be there to help them grow with professional development, you know, you're their teacher and so on, that your to-do list will shrink tremendously. Your job will get easier because by investing the time in all in all of your team, they'll thrive. And then you're like I said, your job will be easier and way more enjoyable. So that's that's what that step and that message is about. 
I love that. I it makes so much sense and it's a creative way to express that. Give me one more of your eight. Oh, okay. So another one of my eight is master your mindset. And mastering your mindset is about realizing and understanding that your perspective and your mindset is within your control, right? Like, of course, your life circumstances and your childhood experiences and so on, everything affects you. And you also can be the creator of your destiny and and of your reality. And so I teach people to have a bias towards innovation, to always try and be creative, which obviously connects to the happiness piece, to try and say yes way more than you say no, even if your first reaction is like, no, I don't want, no. But to go, okay, what if I did say yes? What if I walked through that door and tried? And to also be intentional about being more positive and optimistic than negative and pessimistic. Not that you need to be positive all the time. Nobody is. But to really be intentional about that um, with, with you know your actions and your thoughts so that you know you're happier, but then also you're that spark for, for everyone on your team. How do the AI robots impact all that you're saying? Because they don't have emotions. They don't care about being happy, but yet we've got to coexist. What's your view? Oh my goodness. No one's ever asked me that. So I'm I'm curious about it. I think that there's a lot of positives about AI. I am certainly not an expert. What comes to mind is um, I heard uh, several times, I heard... Mo Gaudot, who was the chief business officer for Google X for many years. And he has an organization called One Billion Happy. And he recently came out with a book about AI. And I I interviewed him as well. And the message that stuck with me so much when I heard him speak at the World Happiness Summit about AI was just that the machines are watching us. They're learning from us, you know? And so... Everything that we're doing positively and negatively around the world, again, 8 billion of us, they're watching from us and learning from us, right? And so he gave this example. He's like, if 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 they see that 80% of the movies that humans watch have guns and violence, then they will they they will go, okay, that's what humans like. If they see that there's a lot of kindness and there's a lot of generosity and there's a lot of altruism. And, you know, it just makes me, it, re- it reinforces like as much as uh, don't ever feel like you don't make an impact because all of us do, you know, you don't have to be the president. You don't have to be, you know, to make, but just every intentional action when you're not in technology. And then when you're in technology, what are you putting out there, you know, before you're going to, I don't know, share a negative tweet. Think about it. So, yeah, Oops. like I said, it's, it, I want to I give all that credit to that's that's what I learned from MoGaoDot. We're also training the robots right now. All of us with this chat GPT. I mean, we're, we're training <laughs> it. Everything so, we put in. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's what they want to know. Yes. Yeah, so it's very scary and... 
could be fruitful at the same time, but yes. we, have to, we have to manage it. Yes, we have to be responsible, right? It's like social media. If we could have gone back before Facebook and Instagram and thought like, oh, how's this going to affect 15-year-old girls? You know? Yeah. Well, and and we have to make choices back to being a happy leader. We have to make choices to be in the room that makes us feel happy, to surround ourselves around others that support us. And I don't know that I didn't always do that. And now I'm understanding that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, our, our social circle and the people that we that we spend time with have a massive influence on us and i get asked that asked that on a regular basis tia what do i do about my negative coworker or this you know my and um you can't insulate yourself at all times and and sometimes you're negative right we're all human but it again comes back to intentionality yes well as we're getting to the end though i don't want to end <laughs> last questions So if I had a ton of CEOs and leaders, entrepreneurs of organizations in my room right now, what's that one takeaway you want them to remember? I want them to prioritize their happiness and well-being and take it extremely seriously to not push it off to the future of when I do this, I'll then focus on it. I want everyone to focus on it now. And I want CEOs and leaders to prioritize the well-being and think always think about the emotional experience of people while they're working because emotions drive behavior and so how are you making your people feel every day mm. and there is a bottom line impact to that yes massive if you could go back in time to your younger 20-year-old self based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell younger Tia? Slow down. I would say slow down. I've always been a very fast-moving, action-oriented, go, 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 do, do, do human. And I am studying and learning how to cultivate inner calm, inner peace, stillness, and it's serving me well, but I definitely could have learned that two decades ago. Me too. I am learning and practicing very much. Mm-hmm. What's next for Tia? Oh gosh, I am thinking about, well, I'm working on a new keynote talk and that will connect to a new book and program. So yeah, that's that's what's next is I guess, yeah, next talk and next book. And final question, what's the best leadership advice that you've been given or gave others? I was fortunate to go through a leadership program when I was 26 years old. That was my first leadership position. It was an incredible week-long program. And the two pieces that stuck with me, there was a lot, but the two ones that stuck with me that were really powerful were one, lead with your heart. And two, coach people in the moment. Like if you see someone doing something that needs to be corrected, don't wait for a meeting. Don't make it this big deal. Just mm. and, and we were taught this process of how to do that. So it's not demotivating. It's simple and you just move on quickly. And 
both those pieces of advice served me very, very well throughout the 15 years of, of leading teams. I love that. And I'm going to make sure I emphasize that for people listening because it's great advice and so simple to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to share with the world all your links and website and book and all the places to find you in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here. I I loved every minute. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacy Sherman, Doing CX Right.